What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode number three of Hustle and Grind. This is the podcast for people who make things by hand and are passionate about turning that side hustle into a full-time grind. We've got another awesome guest with us today. Uh, he is a Forged in Fire champion. He's a veteran. He's a chef. He's a knife maker. He is Mr. Tommy Matthews from Crooked River Forge. What's up, Tommy? Not much, brother. How you doing today? Oh, man, if I was any better, I'd be you. <laughs> right on. <laughs> what you got going right now, on in your shop? It's not such a great thing, man. What do I got going on? Well, let me just give you a little precursor first off, because uh, if you hear some, some funky noises, like uh, you hear that dog toy in the background there. I would have called if it a cat, suddenly, yeah. Yeah, if you hear me suddenly start screaming, no, 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 that means she's pissing all over the floor. Um, you know, in my ultimate wisdom, going through everything I'm going through right now, I thought it'd be a good idea to get a dog to hang out with whenever I'm home alone all day. So uh, my buddy uh, was getting a... Uh, a blue healer, you know, Australian cattle dog. And he said they had a couple more pups. So, uh, I was like, well, if they got a female, I'd be interested. And, uh, turns out that these dogs are actually bred with a Jack Russell terrier. So, um, what we've got here is a dog that is basically like mixing cocaine and PCP together and putting that into (laughs) one, one freaking shot. Oh, that sounds fun. uh, Oh my God, dude, this dog is something else, but, uh, she can be a sweetheart, but man, when she, when she gets out of that cage and is all wound up, she is a nightmare. So just bear with me there. Oh, you're good, <laughs> but man. to answer your question, back to the shop, I got a bunch of stuff going on right now. You know, I've been, uh, ever since I got that coal ironwork press in, I started making a lot more of my own Damascus. So, um, I think I've got one more blade that I'm going to be putting up on for auction out of Alabama to Damascus, and that will probably be the last Damascus that I buy from somebody else unless I do a collaboration, you know, with that Jason Hartwell dude or somebody like that. Yeah, I've and, heard of that uh, guy, I think. <laughs> he's all right, man. <clears throat> yeah. But, yeah, um, other than that, I'm going to be making my own stuff uh, from here on out as much as possible. Oh, man, it's looking good. Um, that that anchor chain uh, sandmy you did was beautiful. Oh, man, I am in love with freaking – that wrought iron look man it, yeah. it's almost like damascus in itself it just doesn't get hard yeah well so, some of you them know. you just want to keep right you don't even want to sell it oh i know man that first one was hard to part with because that's the first hidden tang um and that was a go my because that was it was technically five layers but i had this big piece this, this buddy of mine that works in the uh, steel industry down here he got me this bandsaw blade it was like 10 freaking feet long and two inches wide wow and I just assumed that that was going to be 15 and 20 because a lot of those blades made out of that. So I put an 80 CRV core, two pieces of that, what I thought was 15 and 20, and then the wrought iron on that. So that's a five-piece, you know, go my type of uh, a Damascus there. Right. Um, when I etched it, I did not get that silver pop that you should get from that 15 and 20. So I'm, I'm thinking it's probably just some sort of, you know, high carbon steel for sure. Cause it got nice and hard. Yeah. But it, there's not much contrast between that and the 80 CRV too. Are you doing any kind so, of etch to darken the rest of it? Or are you just giving it a good pop? Yeah, man. I mean the 80 CRV two and that material darkened up real nice. Um, I did a, a standard etch with the, um, ferric acid. And then I did a coffee etch after that. That really, darkens up that steel pretty nice yeah 
Yeah, well, I want to take a second while we're talking to the whole world, and I just want to tell everybody how I know you. Um, yeah, man. And I want to give you a thank you. Uh, so me and Tommy met, what, two years ago, right, at Blade Show. Yep. And, uh, man, I was only about a year into knife making then, and I sucked. But since then, Tommy has helped me from that day. You know, we exchanged phone numbers, and we've kept in touch. And he's helped me with every stupid rookie question that I've had. No no kind of judgment. And, um, man, I appreciate it so much. There's even been times where, you know, I've posted something online that was stupid or wrong or whatever. And you'll like the picture, but then you'll send me a DM and say, hey, man, uh, you might want to double think that one. You know, kind of calling me out, <laughs> you know, but not in no, public. It's all good, You've man. always been nothing but nice <laughs> yeah, to me, man. man. And, I, and I truly appreciate you being my friend. Oh, dude goes both ways brother like i just i felt a connection with you when we met down there in blade and you know you're a solid dude i I freaking respect and appreciate everything that you're doing and you know when i found out that i got sick you were one of the dudes that was right there man oh yeah yeah man sent you out a a two big t-shirt that was a kind of my little motivation we got to get you over this and fatten you back up get you back in a large (laughs) yeah man (laughs) <laughs> so so how's that going how you feeling you want to talk about that for anybody that don't know yeah what's, man what's we going can talk about you? it i actually i got some really good news today um you know i was waiting for uh my case was going up to the cancer board so that they could decide what's the next course of action with my treatment mm-hmm. and uh you know I, I i posted about a week or so ago that i got some good results back and uh that led to to the state that i'm in right now which is I've got one more chemo that they're going to do, and then they're going to do another CT scan on me. And there's a chance that I might be able to skip radiation and go straight to surgery to get the tumor taken out. Um, you know, I've reacted well to the chemotherapy, and the tumor has shrank. Um, the other tumor that was in my, well, they're calling it a legion in my liver, is pretty much not registering cancer at all. So when they did that last scan, you know, you, normally the cancer lights up it did not light up at all. So they're saying that, you know, that the liver's pretty much cured and we're moving on to just taking care of this other tumor that started this whole freaking train wreck. Um, That's great news. So, so yeah, that was, that was very positive. And I mean, just to kind of go into where I'm, where I'm at right now, you know, a lot of people are, are still asking for, for custom orders, even though I've, I've kind of said, I'm, I'm kind of done with that. Um, and even moving forward, I don't know that I'll ever go back to really taking custom orders again, just because I have fallen into what I truly believe is how I want to run the business moving forward and just making what I want to make and then posting it for sale. Now, right now I'm doing these auctions, which is great. Um, the, the blades are bringing in, you know, more than what I would be asking for these blades, which makes me think that maybe I should have raised my prices. Like a lot of people have told me, um, yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had chefs, man, like big time chefs, like, Mark Canzanetta was on uh, Guy's Grocery Game. I don't know if you ever saw that show, but him and his yeah. daughter were on there, and they won that show. And this dude has a um, restaurant in uh, Youngstown in a hotel right downtown. It's freaking sweet. And uh, it's, uh, oh, man, I can't. I'm having a brain fart right now off the top of my head. I think it's Bistro 1509 or something like that. I apologize, Mark. I'm, I'm brain dead right now. <laughs> but, uh He's got a, a phenomenal restaurant. The guy has Jerry or um, Kramer knives. He's got a bunch of Kramer knives, and he he told me when we first started doing business, and I met him at a at a flea market type deal, 
he said, dude, your knives are way underpriced. And I was like, really, you think so? And he's like, yeah, he's like, I've got some of the best in the world. And he's like, these are, these are up there with those knives. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to buy a couple off you today, try them out and see how they function. And now he is, he is pretty much replaced all his day-to-day working chef's knives with my stuff. And uh, th- th- that, to me, to have a chef say that is just phenomenal, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've had the conversation before about pricing, you know, because I've had problems myself as to where, you know, where to price myself because I'm not known yet. Uh, yeah. Hopefully one day I will be. But until then, it's hard, you know, because you want to put a certain price on your work. You feel like it's worth it. But, um, I mean, like I said in the first show, if no one knows it's out there, you're never going to sell it, regardless of the price. Right. And that's that's the struggle, man, is, is getting out there. And I was like you when I started, man. I was, you know, basement forge. Nobody knew me. I had a couple of, of contacts in the in the maker world. And, you know, I'd been applying to get on Forge and Fire since season one, which is, or season two rather, because when I first started forging knives, I started looking into every avenue that I could find to learn from. And, uh, you know, the first show that I started watching was, um, uh, Milwaukee blacksmith, I think was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, iron and fire, I think was another one. And there was this other one. Um, I think it was called, Bushman or something like that, but Daniel Casey was on there, and I was like, "Man, this dude is freaking for real." That's a mountain man. You know, right? He's making no. He wasn't on Mountain Men. Um, this show was only on for one season, and it was a lot like Mountain Men, but I don't think that it had the um, the backing that Mountain Men got because you know what are we at like season ten of Mountain Men, which yeah. I love that show. Um, I love Tom War, man. That's one tough old son of a bitch right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, but uh. You know, I just started watching all those shows, and I was like, oh, I'm going to apply to be on this show. You know, what am I, like one year in, I'm applying to be on Forge and Fire, and then I got bummed out when they told me I didn't have enough experience. Yeah. And I went to them, and I said, all right, well, listen. I said, you know, you got a whole bunch of followers that are following the show that are new. Why don't you guys do a noob episode? <laughs> and uh, so I'm sitting down here. I forget what season it came on, and here it is there's there's a noob episode and everybody's got like under two years experience and i'm like mother mm, like <laughs> what they stole my freaking idea and i didn't even get on the show yeah this is bullshit you should have been and in then the a couple weeks least. later yeah then a couple weeks later i get the call and they're like yeah you know we want to have you on the show and now i've got like four years experience under my belt it's season five that's that's coming up and uh i was like sweet yeah i'll take that you know so uh one thing led to another. Everything worked out. I got on the show and had to make a freaking bowl of all things. Yeah, well, how'd you do? You won that bitch, right? I, I did win that bitch, you but did. it was a close race, man. <laughs> yeah, that, man. Uh, that weapon that my buddy brought, um, Michael, the mad scientist, I call him, that was some apocalyptic shit that he put together, man. That thing was badass. Well, your, yours was awesome. I was lucky enough to, to kind of hold it and play with it at the at Blade Show. And, man, it's just... Yeah, a, man. Just the construction, that takedown construction was amazing. It's just, it's cool how you put that together. Thanks, um, brother. And I think, I think that's the main reason why I did win was because I, I believe I gave them more of what they were looking for. Right. Um, you know, it was a, an Indo-Persian steel takedown bow, and 
the the construction that I use with that, you know, threading together, there there's no way that was coming apart unless that whole bow came apart. Right. And when you held um, yours, it was one piece. There was no shaking and wobbling. It it felt like you were holding a real bow. Exactly. It just had a yeah, razor Mike's sharp bow, horseshoe on the front of it. Yeah. Mike's bow was basically held together by the tension on the string. So if mm-hmm. the string, you know, let loose, which it did when he was testing it at home. Yeah. And the bow didn't didn't come apart, but it, it very well could have. And that's what they were a little scared of. So, eh, in the end, it all worked out. Well, how was the whole experience of being on there? I mean, was it fun? Was it stressful? Was it, you know, all the above? Was it all man, Hollywood? I mean, or was it how real is it? I've always wondered that. It's real, man. I mean, I've, I've said it before. Um, that clock starts and it's game on, man. I mean, there is no apologize for that. I got a text through there. I shut that off, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's the real deal. Um, it's intense. That clock is like super, like it, it, it sucks up more of your brain power than, than you would think. Cause you're, you're constantly looking up at that clock and you're not really focusing on what you're doing as much. Right. And you kind of get lost in that. Yeah. I can imagine, man, it's, I, I don't do anything fast in my shop. And, you know, one knife might take me two weeks, but I'm only part-time. You know, I'm not down there every day. I try to get down there at least an hour or two each day if I can. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't imagine trying to forge out a knife and get it heat-treated in three hours. It just seems impossible. So, I mean, yeah, my hat's off to that, anybody that goes on there and, and takes that that competition. That dagger you know, that they had us make was, a, you know, a clawed grind, you know, double-edged uh, dagger. So yeah. That's kind of like making two knives because yeah, you got to put that grind evenly on both sides. That was really, I made a small one, like maybe a three inch one, but that was like the first time I'd ever made anything double edged that big. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was great. It was great. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so blade show this year, you think it's going down or what, man? I've heard kind of mixed reviews, not from anybody official, but there seems to be a lot yeah. of different opinions on if it's happening or not. I, mean, I know, man. I and sure hope it does. The thing last year, like, as it was getting closer and closer, I started getting worried that, number one, you know, because I drive down there. Right. And I'm like, man, there is a whole lot of shit that I could be driving through to get there. Where are we going to eat? You know, I mean, it's an 18-hour drive for me. Yeah. And we drove we drove straight through last year. But, you know, what, what happens if, if something goes down and, you know, freeways get shut down and we're stranded out in, in, in nowhere. And, you know, I was like, I'm definitely going loaded to the gills as far as weapons are concerned. Cause I'm not getting stuck. Yeah, <laughs> so, of course. So I actually called blade the people at blade show up and I was like, you know, what, what's attendance looking like? Cause I called the hotel. You and I had talked and you said, man, they got a ton of room. And I said, well, that's not a good thing. Yeah. Well, me and you had planned on splitting me, a room. And I think it <laughs> yeah, was like that's right. the day I was going to call and, and get the reservation is the day they officially canceled it. Yeah. And when I called them, they were like, you know, we haven't announced it yet, but I'll tell you that we're, we're going to make an announcement tomorrow. Because I was like, what's the attendance going to look like right now? And she's like, people are backing out left and right. Not only vendors, but, you know, the attendees that, that come to buy the knives. So, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like this year. Are people wanting to travel? And, you know, because people come from all over the freaking country. All over the world. I mean, it's. Yeah, yeah. 
the biggest knife show in the world. So yeah, for that Waverly and, Hotel to have that many, you know, openings, you could tell something was going on because usually I've heard you yeah. have to book that place a year in advance for Blade Show. Yeah, and I'm in another predicament because this is the first year that I can test to become a journeyman blacksmith or bladesmith, and you know I got all this going on right now i need to be making a knife and i need to find a an abs master smith that i can go test that knife with and then i have to have five blades to present to the judges down at blade right so you can you can pass that performance test and fail your blade review down there yeah which i think it happened to a couple guys last year and i mean it was it was nitpicky little stuff do you have a, uh, a master smith up there in your area that you found you know what? I think one of the closest ones is actually James Nielsen. He's out in Talawanda, Pennsylvania. But oh, okay. with his schedule with, with Forge and Fire, I don't know if he's even available. So I, I don't know. I need to reach out to him. I need to I need to decide whether or not. I don't have to do it this year. This is just the first year that I'm available to do it or, or I meet the requirements to do it. And with everything that's going on right now, I don't know what the surgery is going to be all about. You know, I don't, yeah. If I end up having to do radiation, I don't know what that's going to be like. So I got a whole bunch of unknowns hanging over my head right now that I just part of me just says, you know what, dude, forget about it till next year. There's, you know, there's always going to be next year, and who knows if late show doesn't go, then I don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, well, they're going to have to come up with some kind of other way to keep the ABS going if Blade Show doesn't happen. You know, I mean, they're going to. Yeah, they, they can't. Well, say I also it. saw something that uh, they moved Blade Show West from Oregon down to Long Beach, California. Oh man. And that might be an opportunity for me because that's not until like November, I think October, November. Yeah. And my sister lives out there. Yeah. I was I just going to say, I thought you had, you know, your sister had come from California actually to yeah to visit you, you for a while. Yeah. So I might be able to, to work that might be more doable. Yeah. That, I don't blame them for trying to get it out of Oregon, man. That, that place is running wild right now. But, yeah. And there's a, you know, I think California would be, I've got no plans ever to go to California, but that might be more accessible, you know, than up, yeah. up in the hills. The only thing that would suck is, you know, <clears throat> I'd, I'd have to fly. I, I, I would love to make the drive. I just don't know if, you know, Nikki pretty much goes everywhere I go, so I don't know if she'd be able to take that time off of work. Um, yeah, we'll that'd see. be a, a I don't couple know. days. You know, way, everything's right? up in the air. Yeah, but I'd probably want to take my time, you know, take Route 66 and, you know, see the sights. And Yeah, that would be cool. You know, that's always something I wanted to do. So maybe that'll be like, hey, I just kicked cancer's ass. I'm taking a freaking road trip. Damn right. <laughs> Celebration. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you've got, uh, you've already talked about having cancer and all. And, um, yeah. Man, fuck cancer. The the day that yeah. you called me and uh, and told me the good news you had last week was two days after I lost my grandmother to cancer. So, man, that was amazing news hearing that you were doing better. But, yeah, um, man. You've got, Sorry for your loss again, brother. Yeah, well, I mean, she, she went through it for a long time. I mean, she was suffering yeah. for a long time. So she's in a better spot now, that's for sure. Yeah, man. But you Same got with some, my old man. Uh, I mean, you know, I had a hell of a year, man. I, I found out I had cancer, and then I lost my old man. Yeah, it's, it's been a rough year all around. Yeah, man. But, uh, for sure. With everything going on, man, you've had some support from this knife community and just the maker community in general. Um, oh, my God. It's been huge, and it's great to see that. You know, when somebody's down, everybody comes together. 
Yeah, man. I mean, there's been guys putting together raffles for knives, and a buddy of mine started that GoFundMe account. And, you know, there was, when I first found out about this, you know, I was just trying to wrap up orders that I'd already been paid for. When I found out I had cancer, I had 100 knives on the book. And this is why I decided, I was like, man, what am I going to do? What if I can't get them done? Like, I promised these knives for Christmas. And one guy, one guy alone bought 54 knives for, for all his guys in his company. And, you know, people were understanding. They're like, you know, do the best you can, you know, get them to us when you can. But I felt that that pressure on me. And at that point, I was in so much pain, dude, I couldn't stand. Yeah. I had to freaking sit to do pretty much everything that I was normally standing up to do. So grinding, I had to learn how to grind all over again. I actually got to where I tilted the platen on my grinder. So it was like I was standing, but I was able to sit and do it. And, uh, you know, I, I was like living on a heating pad because that was the only thing that really gave me relief to the pain. Um, they weren't giving me anything for pain. I was taking Tylenol, like watching the clock. When, when can I take another one? When can I take another one? Yeah. Um, and they just didn't want me getting hooked on any kind of painkiller. So they weren't giving me anything. Man, and, uh, that, sucks. that is what kind of pushed me to where I'm at now with it. And, you know, I just turned 50, dude. I don't know what, what I got left in me. Um, I don't know that I want to be that production shop that I was. I mean, 15 to 20 blades a week, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know that that's realistic moving forward. I'd rather slow things down a little bit, make some cooler, nicer stuff. You know, um, I'm really getting into, you know, doing the multi-piece handles, you know, and, you know liners and, and different pieces yeah. and uh, some hidden tang stuff. And I would really just like to, to put out, better product and not have that pressure of a of an order book hanging over me yeah well i think you've got plenty left in you i mean and it's still hard for me to believe you're 50 i know when we met you told me you were almost 50 i said there's no way yeah i'm i'm i like to think i'm far from 50 i'm only 37 i thought 37 yeah but um i would have guessed you were my age that's cool. I appreciate You're it. You're holding it's up. It's starting to really show in the beard, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so is mine. So I think my beard's extra thin because every time I see a gray one, I'm plucking it. So it drives me nuts, but it's coming. I know it's coming. Yeah, it's, unfortunately, it comes for us all, man. Yep. And if, uh, you know, I keep my hair shaved just because it's going bald already. But if I do let it grow out a little bit, the sides are just as gray as they can be. So. Yeah, I'm sure mine would too, dude. I've been shaving my head for probably 25 years now. Oh, me too, man. Who knows how many thousands of dollars we've saved on haircuts? You know, I go on the back yeah, porch with right. my clippers and, and, and shampoo. I don't have to buy shampoo anymore, man. Yeah, just face wash on the whole thing all the way around. <laughs> yep, that's it. Yep. So, um, what is? I'm I'm going to jump backwards just a little bit. Um, all right. So the this whole podcast. Um, we're not going to kind of hang on it every show, but I do want to touch on it. Uh, it's about taking what you love, you know, me and you have knives in common and taking it from something that you just enjoy doing and turning it into a business. Um, yeah. And making it to where you can enjoy going to work every day. It's something you look forward to something you're passionate about, but it still pays the bills. Kind of tell right me on. a little bit about your story um, I know you were a veteran, then you went into kind of the corporate world, but what was the point where you kind of said, this is enough, I'm doing this full time? 
Well, that decision was kind of made for me. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Give you a little back back story on me. <clears throat> I'd always had to have something to do on the side. And at one point, I actually had a photography business, and I was doing 40, 50 weddings a year on the side while I had a full-time job. Wow. So my weekends, well, I was shooting weddings. But I was making as much doing that as I was at my day job, but I didn't have the balls to quit the day job and do it full time. Um, then fast forward, I got out of the photography business cause I had gone through a divorce and that might've been part of why I ended up getting divorced. Cause I just, I, I threw myself, you know, totally into that. And I, I just, I was either at work or I was editing pictures or shooting a wedding and that was it. I had no other time to do anything else. Yeah, so it's all work um, all the time so, at that point. Yeah, so I ended up, you know, splitting up with my first wife, and uh, I had met my second wife, Hannah, and we got big time into motorcycle racing, and uh, <clears throat> we got in a pretty bad accident down in Alabama at uh, at Barber Motorsports. We mm-hmm. used to race vintage sidecars, and uh, she broke about seven ribs mm-hmm. and broke her uh, sacrum i think it's called that pelvic ring that goes around your body she broke that in half and had to get a pin put all the way through her body so oh god we raced one more year after that but it was never the same and we just decided you know we put money towards other stuff and she has her own business she did sewing and and things of that nature and uh so you know i saw her doing her own thing and I started making pallet furniture and doing woodworking stuff. And I wanted to start incorporating old school, like ironwork into my, my stuff. So I started buying, you know, I went out and found an anvil and I, I bought a coal forge, um, used that a little while and just decided, you know what, <clears throat> this is cool. It's a lot of work to keep this thing going. I want a propane forge and I bought all this stuff and, <clears throat> You know, all this stuff was showing up at the house, and she's like, you know, all this shit is, like, piled up in the living room. I haven't seen you do anything with it yet. So I took everything down, and by a little workshop in the basement, I built a little forge out of, like, pallets, dude. I'm, I'm not kidding you. I, my forge was built out of pallets. Like wooden pallets. And, <clears throat> yeah. I, I made it eight by eight. So I had four-foot pallets, two by two, and then I put a tin roof on it and put a door on it. And put some barn siding on the side, and okay, that was my forge. I got you. I, I was thinking your actual forge, you know, where you put your metal. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. Okay, Just now you got shed. me curious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I call it the forge. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> That's all it was out there. That was way on the back of our property, and then the the grinding and all that stuff was down in the basement. So I went down in the basement, and I decided I was going to make a knife. So I got some high carbon steel, and. uh I started uh, making a knife, and I came out of the basement and showed her this first knife I made. And she was like, holy shit, dude, that's, that's pretty damn good. And I was like, yeah, man, this is <clears throat> this is something I feel like I could do. So I started doing it on the side like you're doing it. Mm-hmm. But I still didn't have the balls to quit my day job. And at that time, I was working as a sales manager for a, uh estimating company. And I was I was bringing in big money, dude. I was I was making like... I mean, to me, it was big money. It was most I ever made. It was like 70K a year. Yeah, that's and good money. I, I couldn't walk away from that, you know? It's scary. And turns out the guy was going to make me and a couple other guys partners, and things just kind of fell apart with that. And he wanted to sell the business 
and he wanted me to get it up to two million dollars in sales, and I just wasn't able to get there. Man, I mean, economy's up and down, and I come in. This was right after Christmas, like January thirteenth was the day. I went home for lunch because I literally worked five minutes from my house. <clears throat> went home for lunch, came back in the office. My door was shut, and he said, "Go to my office." And I was like, "Well, let me take my coat off," you know. And he's like, "Nope, go to my office." Uh-oh. I was like, "Huh, this is weird." So I go in there and I see his exit paperwork laying on the on the desk, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I think we both knew this was coming." And I was like, huh, "You might have known it was coming. This kind of freaking takes me by surprise." Right. So <clears throat> I walked out of there, dude. I I went and parked in a parking lot, and I freaking I cried. I broke down. Yeah, I, I was bet. like, "What the fuck I am bet. I gonna do, man?" I'm. I think at that point, you know, I was in my early forties. <clears throat> what am I going to do? I started applying for jobs and, you know, I went and met with the veterans representative at unemployment. He's like, well, dude, you gotta, you gotta realize that when you send in a resume, <clears throat> your resume is being reviewed by an HR person that is probably the age of your kids. And she's thinking, I don't want to work with my dad. <laughs> and I was like, dude, that's, that's kind of screwed up, man. He's like, dude, it's real life. Like, you're going to be 50 here pretty soon. And these young kids that are coming into the, the corporate world, you know, especially in those positions <clears throat> are coming out with college degrees. They're, they're fresh, you know, even companies, they don't want somebody that's been in the industry for 20 plus years. They want somebody that they can mold into what they want them to be. Yeah. And he's like, <clears throat> you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing. So that was real devastating to me. And, uh, I just started, cranking out more knives. I started working for a buddy of mine that I used to race with and he had a uh, company where we went around the country installing snap on workstations. And I mean, we were doing huge jobs. Like we did down in uh, Plano, Texas. We did a job that was for um, Toyota moved their entire headquarters from California to Plano, Texas. I mean, this was a freaking huge job at the time. It was one of the biggest construction projects in the entire United States. Now, when you and say, we were down on that job for like five and a half, six weeks. So and, a snap uh, on, snap on workstation. I'm thinking snap on tools. Am I close? Yeah, it's the same company, but they actually build like toolboxes and stuff like that. So, um, they've gotten really big into like design build workstations. And I mean, we went into this day and built, I don't know how many freaking workstations for the mechanics that actually work on cars. Okay at the headquarters for Toyota. And we went all over the country doing this for different, different companies. I mean, I got to really travel and see some cool stuff. Dude, I got to see down in uh, West Palm beach, Florida. We did a garage for a freaking guy that's a collector of cars. Mm -hmm. I got to see one of three Rolls Royces from like the 1930s. Wow. This car, nobody even knew it existed. And they had it locked up and they were getting ready. We were, we were supposed to get this garage done so that they could unveil this car. And the guy took me for a ride in it. And I'm telling you no what, way. dude, amazing. I bet <laughs> the power that that car has like V12 dude from the third. It's like, yeah, just a sick freaking car. And, uh, so I was doing part-time there and, you know, I'd come back home and we might be off for like two or three weeks and I'd make some blades. You know, it, it was slow going at first, man. I mean, I was trying to build a name for myself and 
I was actually on a job with him. We were out in Pennsylvania somewhere, way out in the freaking boonies. And I got the call from Force and Fire while we were in the van driving to this job site. And I was like, dude, that was Force and Fire, man. I'm, I'm going to be on the show. He's like, dude, that's awesome, man. So he was super supportive of me. He's like, you know, whenever you need to work, you call me up. You can come to work for me anytime. Awesome. And it just got to the point where I was like, dude, I, I got so many orders. I cannot get away. And <clears throat> that's when it was just, that's when I finally, I guess, went full time. Yeah. And that's all I was doing. Man, it's, it's so much fun being in the shop. It, there's no other feeling that you get it for me anyway when i'm in the shop it doesn't really matter what's on my mind you know work or the wife or the kids or bills or whatever once i get in front of a grinder and i'm watching the shadow and you know trying to clean up a bevel yeah for me it's, it's like a, a zen i mean as weird as that sounds the rest of the world goes away i mean yeah I'm, you I'm know right how i there. describe it dude i describe it as time traveling because when i get into the shop dude I almost freaking missed our appointment today because I was like, all right, I just got to get this done, man. And I jumped in there and I started <laughs> doing this shit. And I looked at my clock and I was like, holy shit, it's one thirty already. I got to get home. Yeah. I was it, almost late getting here. I had every traffic tragedy that could happen on the way here. There was a train <laughs> broken down blocking the main. Highway. Oh man. So, but I finally yeah, made so it. I, I was, call it, I call it traveling time travel, man. Yeah. Cause I get in there and I lose all track of time because I am so into what I'm doing. And time just kind of slips away. Yep. I think it probably drives our wives a little nuts every now and then. I told Katie last night, I was down in the shop for a little while, and I said, I'm going to be down here maybe an hour or so. And that was about, I don't know, right at 5. And, man, I looked up, and I looked out my shop door, and it was dark. It was 8.01. <laughs> exactly, said, man. <laughs> no. But that's, that's another thing, dude. When I moved back home to West Virginia, um, you know, I, I found a little shop space that my buddy had this barn on his property, barn, garage, whatever you want to call it, small little two bay. Um, it didn't even have doors on it. Hey, knock it off. It didn't <laughs> even have doors on it. I had to build doors and, uh, and basically finish off this shop. And this is the shop you're in now? This is the shop I'm in now. Okay, but yeah. the nice thing about shop, it man. is, That's just a cool dude, I do it. too. Quiet. Um, I like the, um, disconnect of being able to go home though, because when I had my shop at home, I was the same way. I was down there till, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. It's, it's easy to do, especially when you just got to walk back up a hill. You know, my shop's probably less than a hundred feet from my back door. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's so just... it's, it's nice having that separation, you know, but especially when I was sitting here and I couldn't do anything. Like all I wanted to do was be at that shop. Yeah. And I would just go in there and, and just go fart around. Even though I couldn't do anything, I'd just go there for a little bit, you know, an hour or something just so I could get out of the house. Yep. I know the feeling. That, that for is sure. definitely my, my place to be. Yeah. My, my full-time job is um, kind of not in one place. I travel around from job site to job site. And yeah, if I've ever got time to kill, I go home and, you know, get me some lunch. But, yeah, man. you know, I can't really do a lot in the shop in between appointments because I'll get all nasty and, you know, dirty, covered in metal dust or whatever. But I'll go down there and just open the door and kind of straighten up or, you know, sweep the floors or stand around and, you know, 
it's funny. If I skip two or three days, I'll look out the window and ask my wife, I wonder if my shot misses me too. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, oh, that's awesome. I try to, uh, I mean, I obviously try to get down there as much as I can, but I do have an awesome wife. And if she's off and she's home, I try to do my best to split the time up, you know? Um, yeah, man, you got to family's first, obviously always, but you know, it's, it's just trying to make that transition from full time to part time. Or I said that in reverse, but you know, um, you got to put the time in, you got to put in the work. It's a hustle for sure. Yeah. And, uh, no doubt, brother. That's another reason why I'm trying to, to do this podcast is, I mean, honestly, it's kind of some self promotion in a way just to get yeah. my name out there to where someone knows who I am and, you know, might want to buy a knife. Everything is being steered right back to JK blades. You know, that's the whole purpose of this. And, you know, if we can help someone else out along the way who's maybe in the same position, then that's just a great bonus, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. So. Because I'm sure, I mean, every once in a while I still hear from somebody that's like, oh, man, this is great that you're doing this. It's a lost art. I'm like, it's really not. But if you're not looking for it, you're you're probably not seeing it. Yeah. You know, if I was to pick up somebody's phone and, and go on their Instagram and they're not into to what we're into, you're probably not going to even see it. No, of course not. But there are thousands of people that are into it and, and doing it and trying to do it or trying to get started. Um, just like the young man that I, um, I mentored, um, <clears throat> for his senior project. And he came out to the shop yesterday and he did a little interview with me and well, I, I let him have a little bit of forging time. I had some files laying around and gave him one of the files and let him pound out on it a little bit and, you know, it's, it's cool to see young kids like that that want to get their hands dirty and build shit again. Yeah. Because for absolutely. so long, all these kids wanted to do was learn how to do computer shit. And, you know, yeah, well, shop you, classes went away. Yeah, they the, replaced shop classes with computer labs. And then the computer industry got flooded. Yep. And now the shop, you know, the shops were gone. And that, that's big money, building, building a, a shop for kids to learn. And all the trades started hurting. You know, there's no trades. There's no skilled trades out there. Yeah. yeah. And now all these grants, they're, they're trying to build all that back up because we lost our, our ability to build infrastructure in this country because there was nobody training people to do it. Yeah. It's unfortunate. You know, I've got three kids and they're between seven and 11 years old. And the new kind of, I guess you would call career ambition is everybody wants to be a freaking YouTuber, but they yeah. don't, they want to let people watch them play video games. Yeah. And that's not a career. That's not a job. I mean, if somebody is able to, to do that, whatever, but that's not something to, you know, in my own opinion, that's not something that should be your goal, you know? Yeah. I tried to do the YouTube thing, man. And it's just, by the time you get done working and then again, this is, you know, back to the, at some point you got to draw the line and you know, Nikki gets irritated with me at times when I come home and I don't get off my phone. I'm like, look, you know, I, I worked all day. I didn't have time to do anything online. I'm trying to answer people back and you know, people work all day. They can't reach out until they get home from work. And then that's when they reach out. And she's right. like, well, you don't have to answer people right away. And I'm like, but I do because that's who I am. And that's how I run my business. Yeah. You know, please bear with me. But at, at, at times I have to just set the phone down and, and walk away from it. Um, 
you know, it, it, it's all a balancing act, man. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. So the yes. YouTube thing just didn't work out for me because I, I don't have time to sit here and edit footage all night long while, you know, I'm trying to hang out with Nikki and enjoy our, our time together. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, but it's kind of impossible without that phone. You know what I mean? If you're making something and you want to get it in front of the world now, nowadays, there's really not another way. It, it's almost exclusively on the internet. I mean, you go to yeah. shows here and there, but unless it's something like Blade Show where the world comes, you know, other than your hometown, no one's going to see it. You got to, you got to. Right. But again, it's, it's kind of part of your, your daily work schedule, something you have to do. And it's just yeah. another thing you got to find the time for. You know, I try to do some of it at work, you know, at the shop while I'm there. If I'm in between doing tasks, I'll sit down and, and see if anybody's messaged me or anything. But like I said, you know, most people are at work they might get on at lunchtime and reach out to you. Yeah. But nine times out of 10, they're not going to do that shit until they're home. You know, it's seven, eight o'clock at night. They're chilling with their significant other at home, watching TV or something. And you know, that's when most people get online and start cruising through shit and asking questions. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> but Nikki has been a, a godsend for me, man. She, she stuck by me through all this shit. Yep. She's awesome, man. Yeah, gonna get me all emotional here now. Oh, uh, that's all right, man. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's it's hard to do what we do without support from a good woman, and especially in your spot, you know, everything extra that you've got on your plate. And to have that kind of support is just, you know, it's you got to have it. There's no option. Yeah, man. So yeah, I don't know where I'd be without her. Yeah. Yeah, she was fun, man. We all got to hang out together down there in Blade Show, and that was our first yeah, time man. there. And um, it, it was crazy. I didn't realize I would look around the room and see so many people I've seen on TV. And I right. kind of lost my wife for just a second, and I turned around, and she's with this big group of girls from Naked and Afraid. You know, just, <laughs> it was crazy. It was such a good time. Um, yeah, man. I had uh, Roy Scott on last week. He was with, talking to me. And um, uh, I've never met Roy before, but he was telling me that he met you at Blade. Yep, yep and we met down there too. His table was not far from my table. Yeah, well, I was so there with you, and uh -huh. he said he was talking. I, I guess me and Roy just must have missed each other by a few minutes or something. But, um, yeah, that was a good time. I'm looking forward to doing it again for sure. Yeah, he's a good dude, man. I mean, I I am amazed at what he does with these axes and how fast he can whip out an axe handle and with the epoxy stuff that he's doing, man. And it's an art. For he sure. is he is really uh, a craftsman. You know, I mean, there's there's no other way to say it. Yeah, well, uh, we were yeah. talking, and, and his wife actually travels for her job, so he's kind of left home alone, unsupervised, Monday through Friday. Oh my God, and, I did not know that. Yeah, man. So. <laughs> Thank God he's got the vintage axe works going on. Could right? Could you imagine Roy Scott out in town by himself? I mean, <laughs> oh it's a man, good thing we got a, a shop to keep him pinned up in. Yeah, uh, I I didn't hook up with him until after. I don't know. Were, were you and I still talking when we kind of moved out of the pit and went like up onto that? Like, there's a little bit of an upper level, kind of away from everybody, yeah, and there were like the some stairs. clicks, click. Yeah, just kind of hanging out there, and yeah, we went up there. You know, I, I, I was bullshitted with Roy for like two hours, and finally Nikki's like, "I gotta go, man. I, I, I can barely stand anymore." <laughs> but after standing all day long at the show, you know, it, it 
it's tough to then you get your drink on and yeah. you know, we were there for how many hours yeah we got to hanging out with ben abbott for a little while yeah i hung out with ben too yeah it's crazy we were yeah. all right there in the same little spot yeah so, i mean that place is huge yeah no doubt puppy's getting restless i can hear that <laughs> man how old is he or she right um she is about 15 weeks now oh wow so yeah she's all still that, pretty young all the piss and vinegar oh yeah no doubt yeah man well i sure do appreciate you coming on here with me today man um dude thanks for having me man uh, i've been looking forward to it ever since we talked about it yeah man this this is something i've talked about for so long you know just talking just kind of that's all it was kind of a pipe dream type deal and um it's it's hard to believe that i'm actually doing this right now i'm very very fortunate that i'm able to and you know to to have a studio right here in my town i don't even own a computer i mean i I don't have i I take that back i have one it takes it about two hours to turn on (laughs) so it's it's not worth a whole lot so i'm yeah man i'm gonna have to get me a computer but i mean when you first came to me with the idea and i was like ah man i don't know you know i'm a big music guy i listen to music all day long and that's my where I kind of go and it has to be country. I, I, oh, yeah. I can't maybe, maybe some blues. I can't listen to metal when I'm freaking working because I get frustrated if something goes wrong. So country just kind of, it, it's background music, man. It's mellow. I relate to it. Yeah. And, uh, but I listened to your podcast today. Um, the first one you put out and I was super impressed, man. So more power to you. I think you're on the right track and I, I hope it, get you where you want to be brother oh man i sure do appreciate it and it's i've actually listened to it in my truck twice and (laughs) i mean i was there when it happened there's no reason for me to do it again but it's just one of them things it's kind of it's just overwhelming a little bit and uh i've i've only asked three people to come on here with me and all three have said yes and i mean just that support is you know me and you've known each other for quite a while but I mean, I've never even talked to Roy and that was another thing that I had said before, you know, cause I'm a fan of, of Roy's podcast and I kept telling my wife, I'm going to, uh, send some of these guys a message and see if I can be on their podcast. But then I kind of let myself get in my own head thinking, well, they're, they don't want to talk to me. You know, I'm, I'm a nobody. And, um, so yeah, we've had Roy on last week. Now you, and next week we got Wayne Milligan coming on oh, uh, nice. from pirate forge down in Florida. Yeah, man, that dude is he's doing amazing things, man. I, I look at him and I think you and I have talked before, you know, you look at me and what I'm doing and that's where you want to be. Yeah. And I look at guys like him and I'm like, damn dude, that's how I want to be doing shit like him. And you know, all these other guys out West that are just freaking killing it, you know, yeah. RPM Neil, look at that guy, man. I mean, holy cow. He just, I, I don't think know he if just it's the hair over. or what. It's gotta be the hair. It's Dude, at least he, part he, of it. He does amazing work, <laughs> but my God, man. Yeah, he that does. Hair is gorgeous. I wish I, if I had hair like that, I would still have hair. Oh, who Put would? It that way. Of course. I mean, I, <laughs> if I had that hair, I'd even, well, no, I wouldn't. I might have would have said man bun, but nah, you have to let it, you have to let it flow. <laughs> he pulls it off, though, man. He, he does. pulls it off. He does. He man. can pull off a man bun and make it work. He can let that shit down and let your. Let your soul glow. <laughs> yeah. He just crossed a half a million followers on, on Instagram. Dude, it's insane, man. Yeah. So. It's insane, but good for him, man. 
Yeah, he's he's doing good, man. And like we were talking about a minute ago, he's on he's in Hawaii. He's on a tiny island. So if not for yeah. social media, you know, somebody said Neil Kamamura, that nobody would have a clue what that was. Yeah, man. Exactly. So, all right, man. Well, I'm ready to wrap this up. If you are, what do you think? Yeah, man. We've been going. It was, it was good talking. Almost an hour now. That's that's about average. See, we were time traveling. Yeah, there you go. I'm I'm big on this trap time traveling thing, man. Yeah, I, I used to tell my my stepson we'd get in the truck to go on a long trip, and I'd be like, "Dude, time travel. Go to sleep, and when we wake up, we'll be like two hours away." Yeah, it's you're time traveling. Yeah, that's I've thought about that my whole life, man. How it's funny that if once you go to sleep, you don't know you're sleeping. Yeah, I mean that's way off topic, but I've actually thought about that a million times before. <laughs> You know, you wake up and it's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. Nobody really thinks about it. So, nope. yeah, I've had um, on this little board I'm looking at, it's got a, a timer, it's counting, and I had it on a different screen because it's got all these different little sound effects, you know, that you hit this button for that. And I've been thinking about hitting one, but I don't really know what they do. Yeah, so. hit one. Let's hear something. All right, so we got Let's laugh. Wrap it up with, with something. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that something? <laughs> that's pretty damn cool yeah All right. yeah man yeah you, you should have done that when you announced me coming on man that would have been cool <laughs> yeah here comes tommy but we we can end it yeah well let's we end can it. end it that way man <laughs> man i'm gonna i'm gonna go nuts with these buttons now man put me All in front right, cool, of something man. with buttons i'm like a little kid with flashy lights so all right, guys. Well, everybody that listened along with us this week, man, I sure do appreciate it again. Um, I don't I don't even know if I said my own name on the last couple of these podcasts, but I'm Jason Hartwell. I'm a knife maker at JK Blades. If you like this podcast, go over there, give me a follow and a like and you know all that good stuff, and definitely check out Tommy Matthews. He's at Crooked River Forge on Instagram um, doing some awesome things. I mean, every different type of knife you can think of, he's killing it, and he is putting them out there. Like he said, a new business model. So if you want one of his knives, you're going to have to kind of keep up with him and jump on it when they're available because they are going quick. So, Yeah, dude, it's crazy. The knife I posted this morning is already up to 400, 400 bucks. I started it off at 250 That's awesome. And it, it's just unbelievable. So, hey, I appreciate you having me on, brother. Um, like you said, folks, Jason Hartwell, J.K. Blades, check him out, man. He's doing some phenomenal things. He's learning. He needs your support, so let's give it to him. All right, Tommy, I appreciate it, man, and I will talk to you next time. Everybody right, out brother. there, this has been the Hustle and Grind Podcast. Wait a minute. Let's redo. That's not my intro music. See, I'm learning, and the world's learning with me. <laughs> Ain't this something? All right, let's go to this button. I don't know what I'm doing here. All right. There it is. All right, everybody, this has been the Hustle and Grind Podcast. Thank you so much, everyone, for your support, and we will see you next week. Keep on hustling and keep on grinding. <laughs>